Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Men on Twitter. He's Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. Today's guest on Talk of Champions. This weekend, Saturday edition of Talk of Champions is former Ole Miss baseball captain Austin Anderson because Austin has had some thoughts about Ole Miss baseball and its struggles. But Ole Miss won on Friday night, beating number five Arkansas on the same night that Matt Corral was drafted in the third round, Sam Williams drafted in the second. Brad, what's up? What's up, Ben? Yeah, man, a lot of a lot of crazy stuff last night in the draft, or the last couple of days in the draft, and you know, obviously Ole Miss baseball, um, you know, classic Ole Miss fashion, going to go up there and just beat the number four team in the nation after after being after struggling. So yeah, this is this is this is some good stuff to talk about, man. It's a big day. It's a big day for me. Yours truly. Because for the first time in God knows how long, my Dallas Cowboys have taken an Ole Miss Rebel. Sam Williams, the first Ole Miss player off the board in the 2022 NFL Draft. And he goes to my Cowboys at number 56 overall in the second round. The first Rebel off the board. Did that surprise you? Um, no. It, it. Well, I knew it. You would. Everybody would think Corral would be the first one. And I think I'm a little shocked by how far he fell. I did start to think, you know, the quarterback, you know, draft in general going through. I could, I, I, I saw what was coming. I mean, just looking off of the, um, you know, how people were, were evaluating the quarterbacks, all that. I kind of thought, man, maybe one or two go in the first round. I thought second round was potentially going to be all those guys, but man, they they fell to the third, which is which is which is a little wild. But yeah, here's the, here's the deal with Sam. Sam is a premium position that does um it's just hard to find and when you get a guy to run the type of 40 he ran at that size and actually actually just flew back from houston another day and he was on the flight and he's a big like like good looking kid man like he, he looks apart so um him on turf with that speed i mean it should be it should be really 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 fun to watch but yeah and again kudos to him i mean he he literally earned that second round pick by his play on the field the way he tracked the ball and, you know, when you go to the combine and test like that, I guarantee you uh, before the combine, he was people probably had him that third, fourth round somewhere in there. And he goes and tests like that. And his film starts to add up. And they're like, man, this dude may be a little better than everybody thought. And boom, you look up, he gets invited to the senior bowl, um, you know, f- from the I guess he was in the, the Shrine game or whatever. But anytime you called up from that game to the senior bowl, that means you looked exceptionally good at the, at the other one. So. Um, yeah, I mean, he earned that. He went out after the season and and did and did as good as you can do to to give yourself a chance. And yeah, I mean, that's good for him. He earned himself, you know, at least a, a an extra, I mean, some. I mean, there's so much extra money he earned by doing that, going from from third, fourth, to all the way up to to good spot in the second round. There was a little bit of chatter online after the pick was made. I saw it because I'm a Cowboys fan. 
about how that was a little bit of a reach, which I completely disagreed with, because you and I have been talking about for months that if of anybody, of any of the Ole Miss players in the draft, nobody raised their stock like Sam Williams, period. He came back. I mean, he did last year what we all expected him to do in 2020, but the off-the-field deal, that set him back. He missed most of the preseason, missed a lot of the offseason, and then comes in and he's more of a part-time player than he was this year. He only started six of ten games. This year, he was the player we all expected Sam to be. He flashed he was going to be in 2019. And comparatively to Aiden Hutchinson, for the longest considered the best prospect in the draft, went number two overall to the Lions, their numbers are pretty similar, eerily similar. Because Sam had, what, 12 and a half sacks? 16 tackles for loss, eight quarterback hurries, mm-hmm. four forced fumbles, and a touchdown. And when compared to Aiden Hutchinson, he's within a half a sack or one or two of pretty much every category. Not to mention, he ran that ridiculous 40 at the combine, which was better than not only Hutchinson, but Kevin Thibodeau from Oregon and Trayvon Walker, who went number one overall to Jacksonville. Yeah, no question man and you look at i mean he eight of his games every year are going to be um going to be indoors on turf with the perfect environment an yeah. athlete like that i mean i'm telling you that that's why that's why robert quinn had that resurgence and he obviously did good for the bears this past year on grass but man robert quinn was almost looking like he was going to be done but man you get on that turf with a nice loud stadium and you're an athlete athlete like that i mean he's going to play well in dallas so um, yeah, I don't think it's a bit of a reach. That, that if it was any other position, I would say you know you, you don't know. But man, when you got a, de- a defensive end, a, a guy that can pass rush, mm-hmm. that is a premium corner pass rusher, tackle and quarterback. I mean, there there is no there is no premium more than those positions. So um, yeah, he he just I mean he he definitely definitely did all the right things. And um, you know I'm hoping I'm hoping this is a a for, I'm hoping for him personally he goes into it, attacks it, and and makes a, a heck of a lot of money and a, and has a has a great career. So I'm um, you know proud of him and glad he's a rebel. It has been a nightmare offseason for the Dallas Cowboys. And then they draft Sam Williams and they reel me back in. The, well, the Cowboys are a lot like my Bears, man. They they just live on it's like the Bears live on that eighty five mm-hmm. team, whereas the Cowboys just live on the nineteen ninety six. Yeah, it's yeah. like all right, guys. Like at some point, we got to do it again, and they're, they're they're popular because of that. I mean, most. I mean, to be quite honest, and they have a crazy following. Every game you go to that has to do with the Bears or the Cowboys. There's a gazillion fans there. They travel like crazy, and it's like, dude, they're always just just dead, dead average or or dead average to sucky. Like it's just it's just crazy to me. But Sam, Sam has completely reeled me back in with the Cowboys. Of course, of course he did. Of course, Jerry Jones. In the offseason where I'm like, man, I'm kind of done with this. I'm 36 years old. Don't stick with something that makes you miserable. If something makes you miserable, change it. Even if it's just like, there's no true allegiance anymore. You don't have to be a fan of that team forever just because you were made into a fan at three years old like I was with the Cowboys. I was ready to move on. And then he drafted Sam. And then my buddy Bennett Hip's team, the Carolina Panthers, took Matt Corral. And I know that it was the third round, but I love the fit. Matt Rule kind of sucks. But I love the fit for what Matt needs, and that's to sit a year and then possibly take over what will be a competitive team. Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously, every, I think everybody was shocked. Um, uh, the Willis kid dropped too. I mean, and I had said before, I didn't, I, I didn't see it with the Willis kid. I really didn't. I didn't either. We all. both said so that. Still, we just didn't see it with him. But what? But but at least with him, you know, worst case, you draft a good athlete that can do something. So, 
um, get a little bit of back with him. But yeah, I mean, I, I just think that the, you know, I, I can't put my finger on what it was, but, but maybe they, they looked into it and, um, you know, the, the film just didn't match it with first rounder. Um, but I would still say this, it, all, all it takes is an opportunity. He did get drafted in top three rounds, which is great. All it takes is the, is the opportunity. That's really all you care about anyways. Cause once you get there, you have to perform and, um, and, and it doesn't really matter where you got drafted, you know? So yeah, the fit is good. Um, rule is going to be to use a lot of stuff that, that he did in college, I'm sure. And, um, you know, have that probably, probably have some, some similarities to, to what he did. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited for him, but you know, he's got to go in there and, um, you know, he, he's got to whatever they saw in evaluations, he's got to make sure that that is, um, you know, stuff that he's working to get cleaned up or whatever. And if I'm him, I'm going there saying, Hey, you know, what did you guys see? Like, you know, what do I need? I mean, be very proactive and Hey, what do I need to do to be a great quarterback? What, what, what dropped me to the third round? Where, where am I, where am I as a player? What do I need to fix? And guys that are proactive like that and really try to try to attack the weaknesses are usually end up being pretty good players. I think Russell Wilson's the type of guy that did that. That's why you see a success. He went in there real hungry. Um, didn't really care about where he got drafted. It was a little later, but man, he went in there and was like, all right, I'm going to be a good quarterback. I want to, I want you guys to tell me what I need to do to be a good quarterback. How can I get there? And, um, a lot of times that works out and I hope that's what he does. I hope that's the approach he takes. Cause a lot of guys are like, Oh man, I didn't get drafted first round, whatever. I'm going to show everybody. They're going to regret it. Like, no, that talk is cheap. Go in there and, and, you know, be the player you can be, but you got to go in there and be hungry. Cause it's only going to get tougher from here. I mean, you go there and you know, everybody's good. There's gonna be a bunch of good players coming in. Um, you know, it's just, it's the toughest league in the world. So you don't have time to sit there and be pouting about your grade or where, where you went in the draft. You got to go in there and, and be ready to attack your weaknesses and, and figure out how I can be a good player. Desmond Ritter was the second quarterback taken in the draft at pick number 74, the third latest into a draft for the second quarterback to come off the board ever because in 1996, the second quarterback came off at 85th and 88. Second quarterback came off at 149. And then you saw Malik Willis go to the Titans in the third. You saw Matt go to the Carolina Panthers in the third. I got two thoughts. One, I'm not surprised with this class, just looking at this class by itself, I am not surprised that only one quarterback was taken early and then the rest fell because everyone said, oh, we can wait on this. It's like when you're doing a fantasy football draft because really it's effectively kind of the same thing just on a bigger level. You know, They got all the, the research and stuff right. that they do and they actually scout and develop, but it's the same kind of draft idea. You get into this like rhythm with the draft to where front office types go, oh, nobody's going to be taking a quarterback. These quarterbacks are falling. I can still wait. So once the the flow of the draft started to happen, I think all teams said, yeah, we don't have to take a quarterback. We don't have to trade up for a quarterback right now. It wasn't until Desmond Ritter, somebody had to kind of uh, rip the Band-Aid off, right? And Desmond Ritter goes off the board. Then they start thinking, okay, well, now's the time. Now they're starting to move on quarterbacks. With this class, there was no obvious number one guy. So once the Steelers or whoever was that team that said, all right, we got to come out of the first two rounds with quarterback. Once they made that pick, no one else just said, I got to go get one of the quarterbacks. We could wait. So I'm not surprised in that way. I am surprised that Matt yeah. Corral was number four because there's not one of those three that went ahead of him. Not one of those three that I would bank on. And I know there are a lot of people that are going to say, yeah, yeah, well, you're an Ole Miss uh, graduate. You cover Ole Miss for a living. You got an Ole Miss podcast. You write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omespirit.com and affiliateofon3.com. You're biased. Well, probably, yeah, sure. But when you watch the other quarterbacks, what stood out to you that would make you think they're a better or safer bet than Matt Carr. I think I saw it on Twitter. Somebody, some draft analyst said, I would be more comfortable betting on Matt Corral than Kenny Pickett. And I agree. 
Yeah, let's just call it for what it is. This draft class is really, really bad. It's bad. This this was quarterback draft class, and all every all four guys got drafted are are equally a 50-50 shot. I mean, it, it's going to take. They're they're all they all have good talent. I mean, they all have a decent you know decent attributes about them, but none of them are just like you can throw like them in a hat and pick one, and it's kind of the same thing. And yep, it's it's kind of what guy you like the most in the interview, which guy you think may have the most upside. I, honestly, man, it's gonna it, it's gonna take you know it's gonna take a team falling low on these guys putting the right scheme, but but none of these guys are oh this guy's gonna be a pro bowler. Now that may happen with, with one of them. I mean, we don't know. You just you never know. I mean, there's fifth rounders every year that go on to be starters and get paid. You just don't know. But every one of these guys are equally have their have their flaws and equally have their you know strengths. So. You know, it, it's it. Yeah, I just think this class doesn't have that sure, surefire guy. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll be rooting for all of them, but you know, chances are, you know, the majority majority of guys. I mean, the statistics just show majority of guys don't don't make it. Even the guys that went first, second overall in the draft. If you go back and look over the last couple of years, I mean, there's guys that aren't even on their original team yet. So, you know, ch- people don't realize the the overall. You know, the majority of these guys that have got picked the last three days aren't going to end up being pro bowlers or even have a long NFL career. They're going to, you know, there's going to be a couple in there. So that's, that's just how crazy it is. And it's going to be no different with these quarterbacks. I mean, that's going to, one of them will come out and probably be decent, but you know, you just never know. And it's always a 50, 50, you never know the situation, you never know injury. You never, there's just so much that goes into it. It's just hard to, hard to project. I've known Ian Rappaport who covers the NFL for the NFL network a long time. He's a state fan. He married a state grad. That's fine. My only issue is this. He says in his report that Matt didn't test well. Okay, that happens, and that causes drops, especially in a class like this when all of the prospects in that particular position group are kind of all the same. Just pick your favorite. But then he comes out and says that Matt had a problem with alcohol. He cited Matt admitting publicly that he's dealt with depression as if those are knocks against him. Depression is not something to get dinged for, but I want to take an issue because a lot of fans were like, oh, y'all, you just didn't like what he was saying, reporting the truth. Well, where was his report on Malik Willis, who fell further according to where he sat in draft rankings and projections? He fell further than Matt did because Matt was expected going into this weekend to be at best a late first. Like It was like with Bobby Massey. That's what I kept saying last night, I think, to you and to a yeah. couple other friends, too. Bobby Massey, his high end was there were some teams that were interested and would take him in the back end of the first. But his low end, because of some questions, he could drop, and he dropped to the fourth. It was the same thing with Matt. Once he didn't go in the back end of the first, some things didn't go his way in the draft. Now he's dropping. And yet Ian comes out and talk some shit about his depression, about alcohol. If we're now knocking kids for alcohol, well, moving forward, we're just going to have all BYU and Liberty players drafted because every one of these kids are drinking like fishes. I mean, this game's really hard. You have to do what you got to do to just take the edge off. Didn't even cite the Wonder Lick, which was admittedly bad, 15, I think, for Matt, and then talks about his depression, and yet there was nothing about Malik Wills and his drop, nothing about Desmond Ritter and his drop, and yet people wonder why Ole Miss fans want to be like, hey, uh, Ian, what, what? That's kind of Bush League. Um, finally, this kid's dealt with it for a couple of days, man, where he thought he might be a first-rounder and he drops. And when he finally gets his moment, you go on NFL Network and just shit-can him? Yeah, I thought that was super low low class, which I'm not surprised. I mean, any that, that it's dude's Ian living showing off. his yeah. maroon again. 
Yeah, I'm not surprised at all. And it's yeah, it, it is it is kind of cheap that that he would do that to Matt. And I mean, dude. And, and as far as a wonder lake goes, I, I commented this on the commented on this on the board. First off, I don't know how that score gets out. That's just, that's bullcrap that that they would they would do that or, or even let that get out. Because well, let me ask you this: Is it because teams leaked that? Because we talked about this a number of times. NFL teams are trying to come up with any and all reasons not to draft you or to get you later than maybe where they evaluate your talent. So I think that's why a lot of those wonderlick grades get leaked. Yeah, which uh, I get it. I mean, that that could be. I mean, I could see that, see an argument for that. But it's bush league. Yeah, you, know, you just don't you just don't do stuff like that. Especially, I mean, that, that's to me. I get it. The test the um you know how they do as a player, or whatever. But you don't do it because you never know. You know if this kid got any issues taking tests. I mean, some people he may have dyslexia that we don't know about. You don't know. I mean, when he goes and takes a test, so there's a lot of little things. And that test is is, is total bullshit. It doesn't mean anything. Like I said, I played with some of the smartest guys from Harvard, wherever Vandy, wherever. They make the perfect score on the Wonder League. They can't block a soul. They can't read a defense. And they ain't they there has nothing to do with how they play football. And I know a lot of guys who who are maybe not the, the the smartest book smart guys, but they go out there and can tell you, they can teach you like to the T what to look for in a game. So the Wonder League score is, I mean, it, it has nothing to do with with um you know with how you are as a player. It's the goofiest thing ever. And the fact you to, to me, dude, that to me just crosses the line as uh, as whatever you know that that to me is, is too far i mean it, it, you can't that's almost that's almost like releasing a medical thing in my in my opinion i mean you just don't you don't do stuff like that and and whoever does that i mean it's cheap it's bad karma and you know just i, I don't like that one bit and look if ian had had an equal report for the precipitous drop of malik willis for the drop of desmond Ritter, fine but he didn't so then you immediately play into the narrative that Ian, you state-loving dork. But I do like the landing spot for him. I love the landing spot, obviously, for Sam Williams. But now, does any other Ole Miss Rebel get drafted? I don't know. Ooh, I don't know, man. It's Hey, remember when um, I told you that Jerrion, you and I argued, and then everybody said that I was right and you were wrong, that Jerrion was a couple, a top-two-round pick. This was like back in before his junior year, like his potential. And he was not a top-three-round pick. So I think – you have been validated. Congrats. Well, Officially it's validated. That. It's not that. It's just people need to realize how hard it is to get drafted in the NFL. And, like, they throw that, oh, he's leaving early out, like everybody's just first, second round pick. Matt Crowd just had the career he had at Ole Miss, one of what we were calling at one time the best quarterback ever at Ole Miss, and he's went in the third round. That's how hard it is. You have guys leaving that where you're, you're, you're essentially average. They're your second best running back leaving early for an NFL draft. And now it's like, dude, are you going to get drafted? I don't know. Like back in the day, leaving early was like for the elitist. Like, hey, man, I know I'm sure enough going to be a first or maybe a second round pick would leave early. But like, I know I'm I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be a first round pick. So I'm gone. Other than that, I'm going to stay in school, try to get a degree and heck, may even try to get my master's while I'm here because that's going to be what's most important in life. But now kids are just like bailing to go to this NFL thing. And, and to be quite honest, after the fourth round, you you honestly you were at risk of going there in the spring to a a rookie mini camp and being cut, but being released or cut by the time you even you literally you literally make it three days in, in what is somewhat an NFL trial. That's how quickly it can happen if you go there and you're not you know you don't live up to the bill or you don't look right. So, man, I me personally, I would be staying in school and, and you know do, getting as much schooling as I can and. You know, I'd only leave if I knew I was going to draft. You got a whole slew of guys that could have came back to Ole Miss or been in college still that are going into day three, and now it's a prayer. I mean, I, I don't know, man. I, I get it. They want to leave. They want to go do their thing. But 
you know, sometimes real, real life hits you a lot quicker and you gotta, I mean, you got, I don't know who's talking to these kids, but you know, self-awareness is, is, is very, is not like, is not, not great nowadays. You were undrafted and spent eight years in the league. So advice for those that get picked or if they don't get picked and go undrafted, which we think most of them will, what's your advice for them to have that kind of NFL career? Well, so I called Ben Brown, um, got a decent relationship with him, Nick Broker, and called him and just said, hey, man, walk you through the process of how it's going to work. Because I think he's going to be kind of that type of guy, which he's a guy that, you know, was here a long time, whatever, you know, should be going through the process. And just, man, I just told him, you know, obviously when you're watching the draft, know where everybody goes. Know, I told him sit there, watch every pick, write down every lineman. Because this is what I did. I wrote down every lineman who got drafted where. And that way I knew, because as soon as you get in that sixth or seventh round, teams start calling you. Like like a lot, it's almost like a recruiting process where it's like you you they call you and like they're trying to fill in their undrafted their preferred undrafted guys pretty quickly. I think they get like ten or so that they can actually give a decent sign to bonus to, whether it be five grand up to like maybe twenty. Some guys will get fifty if you if you're really they really think they um the you the, you should have been drafted. So you know you know, know where to go. So you have a plan. So you know what teams have drafted guys, which teams got guys on your roster. So you can get in the right situation. And when you get there, man, you, you can't just be a guy. Like you're gonna have when you get to the to the team, there's gonna be a bunch of good players. Everybody's gonna be the same. You are no longer the alpha dog in the room. Everybody there is gonna have the same talent you have. Everybody's gonna be good, but you gotta do something to provide value. And you know, you you, you can't just you can't just be there and just kind of go with the motion. Hey, he looks just the same as this guy. No, man, I gotta separate myself by by being playing multiple positions. Um, you know. It, whether it be your effort, whether it be your knowledge in the playbook, hey, I'm going to be the, the rookie that, that knows the playbook really well and I can already start you know, helping other guys out because that stuff starts to count and it starts to matter because sometimes the talent doesn't really separate separate you in the NFL. And I say an example of, of adding value. So when I was in Tampa trying out, they said, hey, who can long snap? Boom, I raised my hand. I never long snapped probably in my life. It was high school in the locker room. I kind of knew how to do it, but I was like, me. I act like I can do everything. Almost like a fake it, like fake it till you make it kind of deal. So what I do, I grab the ball, boom, long snap. For whatever reason, I still knew how to do it. Started doing. It. I was always the backup long snapper, and then I felt every team and actually snapped us through a game whenever our, our um, long snapper towards ACL. But that's the kind of stuff I mean to separate yourself because when it comes to picking the guy on game day, who you're gonna who you're gonna dress, it's like, hey, number six and seven, they may be the same exact talent, but guess what? Number six and long snap, like guard plays bigs tight end. He can play tackle right and left. So this dude can do seven positions and, you know, it's, it's just adding value. Whereas this other guy, he's a, he's right tackle only. Um, you know, so it's just, it's about, it's about going there, you know, adding some value, separating yourself. And, you know, that's, that's the best you can do. And I, like I told him, I said, man, you may do all that. You may do all your best. You may still not make the NFL, but when you leave, you have no regrets. You know, hey, I gave it my all. I did my best, but sometimes you just don't get the you don't get the right situation. You don't get the opportunity. I've seen a lot of really good players go home. That that's how hard it is to make it in the league, man. It's 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 crazy. Got Austin Anderson, Ole Miss baseball captain, coming up on the phone line. Before we jump to him, I've seen it on the board already on the Ole Miss Spirit, OleMissSpirit dot com, and field of on three dot com. Matt Corral should have come back for his senior year. I, I disagree. First of all, next year's quarterback class is significantly better and deeper. Number two, what he is now as a prospect wasn't going to be really all that improved. So at best, he probably matched what he got drafted this year in next year's draft class. This was the opportunity for him to maybe get selected higher for what he is as a prospect. 
Uh, and coming back, I don't think he really would have improved himself in any way. But, of course, there's the argument that, well, Kenny Pickett came back for his sixth, fifth, sixth year as a quarterback and became a first-rounder when he was a middle-rounder. Yeah, but that the difference for me is that this class could allow for a guy like Kenny Pickett to get into the first round. Next year's class, I don't think it has that kind of that kind of uh, pathway for them. Yeah, I think you. I think he made the right move. And, and listen, don't get it twisted. Now, in the third round, he'll get about a nine hundred thousand dollars signing bonus. So yeah, he's good. That yeah, that's solid money. Um, you know, probably be five something after taxes. So we'll get half a million dollars and then a chance to 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 go make the. You know, and he, he'll likely as a third rounder, he'll at least make the team. He'll I mean, make you're the not team. gonna get cut unless you're really bad. I mean, he'll at least be the backup. Which so that essentially guarantees, you know, he's gonna make another probably four or five hundred thousand. So yeah, I mean, he's 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 leaving for a good amount of money. Um, coming back, like, I don't think he really, he really, you know, um, you know, upgrades himself. The only way, the only argument you can make from coming back is, would be the educational sample. Hey, is, is he trying to do something in his career? Is he trying to finish a degree? Does he want to just play? Cause he knows no matter what, he's going to be somewhere in the third round anyways. But, you know, I, I think, I think he, he left it at what was probably his ceiling as a quarterback. Um, and I, you know, I, I think he, he, all you want, all he wants is opportunity and Carolina is a great opportunity for him to actually start. So he left at the right time on that one. Now, some of these other guys that left, it's it's laughable. If Matt would have ended up at a place where there's a quarterback that's established, where there's no obvious path to playing time, I would have said, eh, maybe. Maybe. Maybe you could have an argument. But even though he fell, thought he was going to be a first-rounder, definitely second or third, he ends up in the third. Even though he fell to the third, I think that the situation in Carolina with Sam Darnold and pretty much nothing else gives him a real opportunity, a better opportunity than he would get elsewhere. So actually, there are some advantages to ending up where he ended up. Like, I think he's better in Carolina than Atlanta. I think he's better in Carolina than in New Orleans because there's more obvious, clear pathway to starting. And if you're a quarterback that you and I both believe in Matt Corral can go in and lead a franchise, well, there's a franchise that's desperate, absolutely desperate for a franchise quarterback. And even though you ended up in the third there, that's just kind of how the flow of the draft went, and it's fine because if I'm him, I'd prefer to be there than even Malik Willis in Tennessee. He's got the most obvious path of anybody outside of Kenny Pickett who went to the Steelers, obviously. Yeah, I was as I was watching the draft, I, I thought, hey, man, the Titans are probably going to draft quarterback. I hope that's Corral. I, said I actually would like I said that, I too. Liked, I would have loved that situation for him there, and, I was, and sure enough, they drafted Willis. I was like, dang, man, because yeah. uh, you think, you know, Tannehill's, a good, you know, average starting quarterback, um, you know, and it's well, kind of like you hey, started going down the list of names because I was going down the different teams because I was like, okay, where can Matt go? And one of the first ones I said was, oh, there's Tennessee. Tennessee, you know, Ryan Tannehill, whatever. That would be awesome. Yeah. Fans would be buying Matt Crowd jerseys tomorrow. You know what's crazy, though, is, is kind of – so once he didn't go in the first round, I looked down the second round. I saw maybe potentially the Seahawks had a chance, but I started looking. I'm like, dude, he's not going to go in the second round. There's nobody that really needs a quarterback. That's right. Or that thinks draft quarterback, and and it didn't. Like, it's, it, it, and then what's crazy? He may have actually went in the second round had other teams been drafted that that wanted him. But you know, sometimes the draft just aligns to where like you know people have traded away their draft picks, and there's just nobody in the second round who actually wanted to draft a quarterback that high. Yep. And boom. So. And it appeared that's that's exactly what happened to all the quarterbacks this year. So the run actually happened in the third round. So um, at the end of the day, man, he'll have a shot. He'll have a shot to everybody else. But it's fifty fifty. You know, it's it's no, there's no guarantee. He could he could honestly be a be a massive you know fail, or he could be a, it could be great. I mean, you just don't know, man. I mean, you know, I was with Trubisky, who was second overall pick. Great guy, similar to Matt. Good athlete, great talent. Worked his tail off. 
Like nobody worked harder than Mitchell Trubisky in Chicago, and it just didn't work out for him. And it has nothing to do with Mitchell as a guy. It has nothing to do with with Mitchell as a player. He just, it, for whatever reason, it just never came came to fruition for him. So he, you know, there's no guarantee in this. And he did everything he could do at the time. He was one of the hardest workers in the Degum building. He just didn't didn't work out for him. So there's no guarantee in this man. It, it, it takes the right coach liking you in the right situation. Well, Ole Miss baseball upset number five Arkansas on Friday. Beat Mississippi State in Pearl, and almost never beats Mississippi State anymore. So that's a big deal. Do you think they're turning it around? Um, I'll I'll know today. We're zero and six on Saturdays in yes. the SEC this year. Yes. So, yes. man, a, a win today I think would would do wonders for this team, or just a series win in gender in general would do would do wonders for this team. Man, I just it's just going to drive me crazy to think Ole Miss baseball may not get any postseason this year. That's, I mean, that's just uh, dude. I had my over. jeep blocked off, dude. I'm like, all right. June is I can't wait. You know, like you know, you, you know, your beginning of June is whatever. Yeah. It, it's going to be you're going to be hanging out at a regional, like excited. Yeah, dude. I mean, I, 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 we're we're praying for a three seed right now. I love it that you've been proved correct because you put me on the air saying you got me on the air saying, "Hey Ben, is Ole Miss going to Omaha?" Absolutely. Ben, Ben, is Ole Miss going to Omaha? Yeah, Ben, for it, sure. Brad, Brad, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. I never <laughs> said that. I would never say that. Don't talk you're about my friend idiot. Brad like that. Jerry, I need these second round at worst, man. Okay. Man. I said that three years ago. <laughs> no, I said he was Cam Akers. This is not, not three years ago. This was like two years all, ago. All of a year, year and a half ago. That's probably true. Probably true. <laughs> AJ Brown secured the bag. He got traded to the Philadelphia Eagles. He got a new contract, $25 million a year, $57 million guaranteed. Said he would have signed with Tennessee had they offered him $22 million a year. Instead, they offered him $16 million. Look, whatever it happens, I can't believe the Titans finally got a surefire number one number one wide receiver, and they didn't even get out of the first contract when uh, they trade him away. However, a, you thought it was a good move. It was a great move for, from really? a, from a from a DM standpoint. Absolutely, it was a great move because it, honestly, like you drafted the younger version of him and Traylon Burks. You, you, you drafted the younger version of him and Traylon Burton, who who Traylon Burks, whatever that that can give you some. I mean, even if, even if he's fifty percent as good as AJ you know, to give you something. And man, that's just such a big payday. So, so you, you trade them off. So you save your cap, you get essentially a similar type player for a lot cheaper and you get some, some, what, what draft picks did they get out of that? Did it, did it, it say draft? first? I think they got a first and a third. Yeah, dude, that's, that is honestly an absolute win. That's, that's a home run for Tennessee. I would agree. Yes. It just, it just is. Still and, surprising and though, because they got Brown, a number one. Cause AJ Brown's that good. But, but when you're a team like Tennessee, who's like, Hey, we're getting close to we have to figure out this quarterback thing at some point. We may be in a rebuild. Do you want to have all your all your capital and fifty something million bucks and a wide receiver? Who it doesn't really matter if you have a good it's just like the Bears with Khalil Mack. Like they had to get rid of him because you have hundred million dollars in a guy that ain't gonna matter. You're still gonna win four games, five games with him. You might as well start, you know, accumulating some draft capital and you know, keep your cap at a good number to where you can make a run at a big time quarterback at some point. It was a home run. I mean, that was an awesome move by them. I mean, it has nothing to do with AJ Brown. He got his money elsewhere, which is what you're supposed to do. But from a business standpoint, Tennessee knocked that out of the park. No, absolutely. I completely agree with you now that you've broken it down. You laid it out there. I'm with you. I'm right there with you. But dude, the Eagles, the Eagles. Why do my favorite Ole Miss players end up with the teams in the NFL that I hate the most? Eli uh -huh. went to the Giants. AJ uh -huh. goes to the friggin' Eagles. I know the Eagles is a great. I mean, first off, if I'm him, man, like 
Titans cool, whatever in Nashville, but man, there is there is very few teams cooler than playing for the. I mean, the Eagles are uh, that is one of my favorite places to play. He's gonna he should love it up there. I mean, they they're huge. I mean, they're into their sports there. It's a great sports town. It's big time. I mean, he's got it. You know, Jalen Hurts is an up and coming quarterback. Um, you know, he's having a little bit of success there. He'll get the ball to. I mean, it's gonna. I think it's a good fit for him. I really do. I think he'll he'll really enjoy that. Patrick Willis went to the 49ers. This is the worst. But here's the thing. Here's the thing with AJ. He's uh, reunited with Jalen Hurts, one of his best friends in football. I'm just AJ. Nobody deserves it more than AJ. That's just kind of what I'm getting at. Nobody deserves it more. He stayed when he didn't have to. Everybody wanted him. Jalen was recruiting him to Alabama when everything went down with Ole Miss and the NCAA. AJ is one of the most celebrated players in Ole Miss history, and it's just nice to see him get that reward because he did not. Um, he did not have it the easiest at Ole Miss as far as what his options were and what he could have done compared to what he decided to do, and that's be yeah. loyal. AJ, AJ is is honestly for anybody, anybody listening. Yeah, AJ really is a great, great dude, great example of of Mississippi. Like, like in my mind, like kid from Starkville, Mississippi, comes to Ole Miss. He's high, he's highly recruited, but just works his tail off, humble, and it just it's just a great representative of our state. Man, we should be very proud of a kid like that. That's all team state, whatever. Like, you know, just a kid like that. I mean, did it just to go out and make that kind of money and, and do it with as humble as he is and um, the way he works, how passionate he is, man. I mean, that's just, dude, to me, I, I love stories like that. That's just, that, that makes me proud to be from the state. And it just goes to show all the kids out there from, from hell, Starville, Mississippi, wherever, Amory, wherever, wherever the country talent, you can do it. Like you really can from, from anywhere. And, and he's a great example of that. Yeah. Cam Akers, you didn't have to go to Florida state. It's neither here nor there. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. If you haven't already, subscribe to review Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. In this weekend, Saturday edition, which never happens, of Talk of Champions, we've got Austin Anderson, former Ole Miss baseball captain, to talk all things Ole Miss baseball. Because Austin has had some thoughts throughout the season about Ole Miss baseball and its struggles, its up-and-down nature, to put it as nicely as possible in 2022. So Austin's coming up right now on the phone line. Before we jump to him, let's hear from a couple of proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Thanks, Brad. See you, Ben. Howdy, toddy. Ah, it's springtime in Oxford again. Who doesn't love springtime in Oxford? Flowers bloom and the square is popping. Ole Miss baseball, a little Ole Miss spring football. It's honestly one of the best times of the year, so why not enjoy it? See all the beauty that Oxford has to offer in a brand new car, truck, or Jeep. Well, if you're in the market, the only place to go, Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. From new and used sales to parts and service, Allen Samuels of Oxford aims to provide a truly stellar automotive experience. And what separates them from every other dealership in Oxford, Mississippi, as Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Most everyone who's listened to this podcast should know by now, this is the only place to go. And when you go, ask for Brian or Mason. Tell them Talk of Champions sent you. And take advantage of any one or more of the services Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford provides by contacting them at 662 662- Two three four eight thousand. That's six six two two three four eight thousand. Twenty two zero one East University Avenue in Oxford, Mississippi. Alan Samuels, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. The sun's a shining in Oxford, Mississippi. Cookouts in the Grove, beer showers. It's just the very best time for an old Miss Rebel to get out and get going. Carry front door peace of mind with you everywhere you go with Ufi Video Lock. Never has home security been so easy. 
Eufy Video Lock, an all-in-one security device for your front door, allows you to keep an eye on everything back home. And it's so easy. Installation requires only a screwdriver, so ditch those house keys forever and give Eufy Video Lock a try today. There's no monthly fee, and Eufy Video Lock has customer support on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. Go ahead, have your home as fun in the sun with the assurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock's built-in camera can tell you who's at your front door from the comfort of your poolside chair. So search Eufy Video Lock today. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. It's concert season. And concert season is all about the boots. Already, Oxford and Ole Miss have seen Morgan Wallen light it up at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Ole Miss football star and Talk of Champions podcaster Jared Ivey bemoaned how his boots were lacking. He should have gone with Tecovis, the only stop for the Ole Miss fan and the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings for the spring and summer, including timeless, always-on-trend styles in men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. Stop by your local Tacova store and have a complimentary drink or two on the house while you shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service, and many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. Going now to the phone line to speak to former Ole Miss baseball captain Austin Anderson. He's had some thoughts on Ole Miss baseball lately. But before we jump to him, have you ever wondered what you're going to do for retirement? or if you're actually going to ever be able to retire. If so, give my friend Thomas Chandler a call. He specializes in retirement investment planning and loves helping people plan for their dream. Give him a call at 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. And start taking control of your future today with Thomas Chandler. Austin, what's up, man? I'm doing good, man. Um, on the boat, it's supposed to be 85 degrees, and I got some friends coming out. So you're actually spending your Saturday right. <laughs> yeah well y'all come out to greensboro georgia and i'll show you a good time well there you austin, go austin sounds like a man with no kids is what it sounds yeah, like, it sounds <laughs> like keep it that way keep it that way i mean you're on the boat so i mean you're on a boat on a random saturday keep it that way well uh almost baseball beat arkansas number five arkansas on friday before then it'd been a struggle including losing to in-state rival mississippi state in this most recent series you've been actively let's say communicating with Ole Miss fans on Twitter throughout the season. And you haven't been shy in expressing your disappointment no. with this team. The win over Arkansas. What'd you think of that? I think it's a huge win, obviously. And the win over Mississippi state and Pearl, I think could be the turning point because in my four years, even the year we went to Omaha. Now, granted, I've been out almost 10 years, so I could be wrong, but we never played well in Pearl. So, seeing them get that win and then go on the road and be the number five team, I think could be the turning point. It's just they have to be consistent and they have to keep playing well. Up to this point, though, what has really frustrated you the most about this group? 
so baseball is tough because I mean anyone can beat anyone on any given day, and every team is different. But with this team, it just they have the talent, obviously, returning all their basically their whole offense. And granted, their pitching's been a little rough, losing uh, Hoagland and McKenzie. But I mean, there's just been a couple things, and I'm not going to mention names, but. Even tagging me in an Instagram post, and you don't even follow me. So, if your feelings of that hurt, and you're coming after me to tag me in something, I just think it's a little mental. And you can see it in the body language, and it's like, oh, here we go again. And they, it just seems like they fold. And like, take my freshman year for example. Our starting rotation was Matt Krause, David Goforth and Austin Wright, who all pitched in the bigs. And we didn't make the SEC tournament <laughs> or regional. So what's the difference between that and 2014 when we had no preseason All-Americans? We got ran into the ground every day. And when that happens, when you work hard enough, you need each other and you lean on each other make it to the finish line because if you don't someone's not going to make that sprint and the whole team fails you're gonna have to do it again and i just just watching it it just doesn't look like it's there so i could be wrong but uh that's what that's what i've been saying well it's been surprising to me that and i said this to brad the other day we don't know what's going to happen to mike bianco at the end of the year we don't know how this year is going to finish but right now it's a legitimate question to wonder if he's going to be here next year, if they finish where they are now. I said this to Brad the other day, man. I don't know, or I'm surprised that this would be the team that would result in Mike being gone, potentially. We don't know that yet, but if this is the team, because right. I'm like you, the offense returning was one of the best, if not the best in the country. You had two of the best hitters in the SEC and Jacob Gonzalez and Kevin Graham, and yet mm -hmm. this team just it hasn't really clicked. And then for them to uh, take that criticism – Maybe be a little defensive about it online. That's just not the move. Yeah, I mean, you, you said it. <laughs> it's all about showing up and playing. And like I said, baseball is a weird game because you can have all the talent in the world and just not play well. You don't pitch well, you don't hit. But it's just – it's been too consistent of not playing well. And I love Coach Bianco. I – I hope they turn around because I want him to keep his job. I hope they win a national championship, but they something something's got to change. And uh, midweek against Mississippi State and Pearl, and last night is a good sign. They just have to, you know, keep it keep it going. With where they're at in the standings, how can they do that considering what they got left? Because this is a tough schedule they got left. Pretty simple. There's no pressure anymore. They know what they got to do. So it's just showing up and having some fire and, you know, just playing good baseball. Fundamental baseball. You got to control what you control, control what you can control. Be consistent. When you talk about <laughs> fundamental baseball, is there anything in particular that stood out to you this year where you went, that's just not how you do it? I mean, nothing in particular. It's just, either base running or it's fielding errors or walks 
there's too many there's too many mistakes. You got to fill up the zone and make the play and uh, be clutch when you're when you got runners on base. Two outs, get a hit, and get the runs in. And it's not always that easy, but it just seems like everything has not gone their way. As a player, what can you do to turn that? If you were the captain in the locker room, what would you be saying? I wouldn't be saying anything at this point. I mean, they, they've had this team for a whole year now, basically, and the season is it is, it is what it is. So there's no pressure. you got to go out there. and Everyone knows in that locker room that they have to win a lot of games to make a run at this. And so as a captain, there's no reason to say anything to put more pressure on guys. And quite honestly, I mean, I haven't talked to Coach Bianco. I haven't talked to the coaches or players. And like I said, I've been out, I think, what, eight years now, which is crazy. But no, I haven't I haven't spoke directly to anyone. What's the formula? What was the formula for y'all in 2014 to get it done? Y'all never went through this where y'all went through these, like, very steep valleys. Like, this, this getting swept by Tennessee. Tennessee's really good. But that just never happened over right. this baseball. And maybe that should have been the first red flag for everybody. Well, I don't think that was a red flag. I think the Alabama weekend is a red flag. Yeah. But, yeah, the 2014 team, I mean, we were we were an older group. And we also had guys like JB, Colby, and Errol come in as freshmen who made an impact. So, in that aspect, we were, I don't want to say lucky, because obviously they're all great baseball players. But Will Allen and I had, kind of been through it all like our freshman year like i said we went like i don't know 14 16 and we were one game away from winning the west that was a crazy year and we didn't make regional but we were just laid back we there's no reason to like over captain so to speak we just kind of let guys do their thing and granted we kept them in check when they were out of line but there was no, there was no like over, overbearing. Everyone go out there, no pressure, and just do the thing. Yeah, I think fans, a lot of fans think that there's like a secret sauce to this, and there isn't. Baseball no. is baseball is baseball. No. Baseball is weird because you can be number one and then you can go get swept twice at home. So <laughs> it's it's a, it's a weird game, man. So you gotta you gotta keep your head level control what you control and have each other's back but again i think that's a mental thing Mm -hmm. where if you train hard enough you will have each other's back and you'll go to war and i've just seen a little bit too much of like bad body language and folding yeah awesome what's a uh, walk us through what a mike bianco um ran team is like i mean how, how does he handle or how does how does he approach adversity I mean, does he stay pretty calm and cool? Because, you know, I've been around some coaches, um, you know, over the years that, it, you know, they just handle adversity different and they handle success different. It, it, is he pretty level through adversity or what's that like when, when times are tough there? Does he do a good job kind of kind of writing the ship and staying positive or, or how does he coach through that usually? He, he's even keeled, but what will get him going is just not playing well, not making the plays, like boneheaded uh, base running. It, he just wants you to be focused and think two plays ahead. And if you lose, you lose. There's, I mean, there's nothing to say. And yeah. 
I loved him as a coach. Whenever like a fan approaches you, you have a different perspective about Mike Bianco. We all got to talk about it yeah. and in the future, what it might be, whatever. But when you're asked about Mike, what do you say? Well, Bianco is still a lot of life morals. It's more than baseball. He He's a great coach, and he'll make you a better person throughout your life. So people need to think about these things at the end of the day. Yeah, it's a business for him because he can get fired or whatever, but some people need <laughs> to step back and relax because at the end of the day, it's a college baseball game and just be respectful. And I get you're passionate and you want to win. Trust me. I want to see him win too. I wanted to win when I was there, but we're all human beings. <laughs> so you put it more on like the lack of success in the postseason, whatever, or this year, you put it more on the players. Like there's only so much the manager can do. Yes. He took his thumb off for the first time in 42 years. So he knows how to coach, but it's the talent and showing up and performing the way you can. And it just, like I said, part of it I think is mental and part of it is maybe the ball not bouncing their way, but eventually it will. And you have to take advantage of it. And just, it doesn't seem like they have. For y'all in 2014, how did y'all break through? What was the difference? Right. To be honest, our team was really good and we played well and we didn't listen to outside noise. We just we we just stuck to our locker room and there's a couple games that we blew. I know there's an extra innings game against South Carolina, who's number one at the time, that we gave up, I don't know, like four runs to get walked off on after winning Friday. And then we lost the doubleheader. But we didn't just fold. We came back and won. And we got swept at Alabama, too, by the way, which I don't like to talk about. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we just we kept it going, and we played we played good baseball. This is my favorite comment from Austin and so, Anderson. And someone's, and someone's got to step up. Because, yeah, yeah. Like, game – I. I remember playing at ULL and Friday night, their stadium is not like ours, but I, they had lost like five games or something all season and never lost back to back games. And we got crushed Friday night. And then we, we won a close one on Saturday. And I just remember like, you know, screw this, like <laughs> we're winning this game and you can even, check my Instagram not that anyone cares but I I freaking sent a picture like three hours before the game saying we were going to win and by the way I think we had one hit going into like the third or fourth inning when I hit the two run bomb that put us up two to one and then we never looked back so it's got someone's got to someone's just got to step up and turn the game around get some momentum my favorite Austin Anderson comment so far. Y'all need a fire under your ass at a underscore Anderson eight. But y'all just keep commenting to me saying, believe, make me and do something about it. I'm not trying to like 
call anyone out personally. Like, trust me, I love on this, especially on this baseball. But I mean, it's just fans. Fans hit me up saying like, "It's okay." It's a, it, I mean, it's not. What I mean, what I said is what I meant. I mean, yeah. I'm not trying to be crit- critical or, but it, show me, just. But it, again, the midweek and last night. That's showing that's showing some fight, so it's good to see. So where do they finish then? If you had to put on your like prediction Shoot. hat. Uh well, it's hard to tell. I mean, they need to keep playing well, but I think middle of the pack, if they show up, but it's we they can get a bid. Like they don't have to do great. They just have to show the committee that they're good enough. Even if they're a three seed somewhere. You'll have to beat a good team, but obviously the team's got the talent. Like I said, they basically have their whole or, uh, starting lineup back. Jacob Gonzalez is an animal. So, I mean, they got the tools. They just have to keep winning to get into regionals. And then <laughs> it's like one game. You just have to win one game and you're in the driver's seat. So what are you doing outside of being on the boat this weekend? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. God, that's the dream, Brad. What are we doing? Hey, also, I feel like before Austin gets off here, though, like we have to we have to talk about the, the obvious, infamous moment. He has to walk us through his um his walk off yes. walk off versus Auburn. Yes. that's that's what he's known for. He's got to he's got to take us through the walk off, man. All right. Well, so the picture was Jay Wade. I've seen the video a couple of times, but um, he came in. Of course you know, have. You've seen, you've seen the video. Yeah, <laughs> of course you have. So he came in like the eighth or ninth inning, and I believe it was like first and second, two outs. And I had been swinging a pretty good bat at that time. So they were going to put me on. And the first pitch he threw, obviously I, they were putting me on. I was just kind of standing there. It went right down the middle. And the umpire literally said, Austin, you know, that was a strike. I kind of like, like laughed. I was like, yeah. And the catcher had asked, like, why didn't you call it strike then? He's like, you're putting them on. I'm not calling that shit. So the next three, not close. I went to first. And then the same pitcher was in the 11th. I think it was the same situation. First and second, two outs. Nothing close. But I've, I've been ready because I don't know if he was trying to sneak one by me or if he had, like, the yips. Like, he was scared to throw it too far outside <laughs> and overcompensated. <laughs> so, in the 13th, it was actually second and third, no out. And, again, I was just, hey, he did it once. Who knows? And what do you know? First pitch, about 68 miles an hour, right down the middle. And I just knew I had to hit a sack fly. And we get, we get to go home. And when I hit it, I knew I hit it well. But I just knew it was deep enough that we can go get some sleep and come back the next day. And as I was kind of walking, I realized I really got it. <laughs> and, and the rest is about history. But I remember rounding first. And uh, Stephen Head, the first base coach at the time, 
slapped my helmet so hard, I saw stars. <laughs> I, was not, I was not ready for it, but there's a chance Stephen was just a little envious. He was like, man, I'm usually the one that used to hit the, <laughs> the ball on the tennis courts, man. What are you doing taking my yeah. shot? Walk out, Walter, no what's it like, man? Honestly, what's it like to, to hit a home run in Swayze? I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, as fans, Ben and I see it. We see the beer showers. But, man, honestly, like, like as, a, as playing sports myself, I know how big moments feel. I just feel like as a player, when you hit that home run in Swayze, man, it's got to be a, a chilling feeling for, for a player oh, to yeah. get to wrap races and a good feeling, man. Walk us through that. What's it like, man? It's it's a good feeling, man. I mean, it's you're just – your adrenaline's pumping so much that, like, oftentimes you don't even really take in the moment because it's just – it's a good feeling. But, unfortunately, I didn't hit too many at Swayze because – I played at the most dead time for college baseball. They changed the bat. Yeah, my freshman year, they changed. Might as well pick up a steel pipe and go <laughs> off the freaking plate. And then, <laughs> oh man! And then after I left my senior year, they changed the balls. But you mentioned that, that you mentioned that ULL first game, and um, I think it was Will Allen that was on this podcast one time, and he said, "Y'all get on the bus after that loss." And Christian Trench just chilling, and uh, he just patting his yeah. arm, saying. Don't worry, guys. I got it. If we needed to win, if if we needed to win, he would pitch lights out. It was unbelievable. Yeah, and that helped too. That helped too. Knowing going back we were to that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think if I mean I think that kind of touches on what you were saying yes. earlier, man. It's Ole Miss just doesn't have that that dog. And I'll tell you what, I will say this though: the the Lucia kid. Is kind of <clears throat> kind of stepping into that role right now. Yeah. He's kind of going out there yeah. and competing, and, it, and it's amazing what kind of difference that makes, as you know. But yeah, I think going back to what you said earlier, it's just who's that guy when you need him? Who's going to be there to make the hit? Just like you look at the Mississippi State game the other night, you get you know Tim Elko's up. It's four to one, one out. They strike out Elko and Alderman back to back. Where back in the day, I feel like Ole Miss baseball teams would have had a dog, and they're like, okay, it's seven to one. Like we just it, it just the call. Like this, that they don't have that killer instinct this year, and I don't know what what plays into that, but it's just, um, yeah, I think that I think if you look at Christian Trent guys like Doug McKaysey, like when we need a win, who do we look at? We don't have that guy, and that's just that's just exactly. the doctor. Exactly, I think that's played a role too in the offense because at what point do you go out there and be like, how many runs do we need to score to win? It's it's you go out there and hit. Back to back to back home runs to start the game, and then you you lose. So it's like it's a it's a it's a mind thing at the end of the day. But I just I hope they turn it around. Third game and yeah, as you a, only get as one a year. Player, how do you feel? About, how do you feel about their approach, man? Because as a fan, watch. I mean, I, I know baseball, but don't know it like like you or some of the other baseball guys. But man, it feels like right. we're a home runner, home runner bust, and I don't really feel like we manufacture runs like like some other teams. I mean, what do you feel? I mean, watching them hit and stuff. How do you feel about their approach? I agree. I like I said, I'm eight years out, so I don't know how it's changed. I've hit with Clement, and he's he's great, he's a great hitting coach. So I'm not sure what they're teaching the approach now but Godwin when I was there my senior year he's I know that rules have changed too but he said don't move your feet it's your box so they threw it inside don't move so we we walked up there ready to battle and with two strikes we were not we were not guessing we would shorten up some people we, we had a two strike approach some people didn't stride 
some people got their foot down early and we just recognized pitches. So we didn't swing it. We didn't swing at balls that I'm seeing them swing at. So again, it, I don't know. I don't know. I think overall, yeah, I think overall, like Austin was saying, man, just the, the mindset of it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the talent's all equal, and you see this at all levels, especially at the professional level. It's it's a mindset, and how do you gel as a team? And, you know, 14, they gelled as a team, and right now, you know, they're just, they're searching. They're still searching, and it's a tough time to be searching, but they're you know, still searching to try to find that team, man. He's Austin Anderson, right. former Ole Miss captain. Enjoy the boat, man. Thanks for doing this. Yep, no problem, guys. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.